Good morning, everybody. My name is Kevin Bates, and I'm the lead pastor for Resonate Christian Church. And I welcome you this morning, and I'm thankful for each one of you. Wherever you are at this morning, or this afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this broadcast, whether you, you might be at home right now, or you might uh, catch this later in the afternoon, we want to just say this, that we love you, and we care about you, and we want to hear from you. So if you want to connect in with us somehow, uh, through our social media channels, uh, message us directly or email us or fill out the online connection card uh, on the front page of our website, resonatelife.org. Uh, please do that. Send us your thoughts and your prayer requests, and we want to connect with you in a meaningful way. We have been on this broadcast now for months, and we are going to continue this broadcast at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning. This will be uh, posted on our YouTube channel and also the Facebook Live channel that you can connect in on this broadcast. We also have our 9.30 children's program and also our coffee connection time at 9.30. If you want to get connected to those two things, either the kids program or the coffee connect, you can, uh, you can message uh, Bethany uh, Fluke. She can get you <clears throat> connected in on that children's program and a private Zoom link or Becky Elliott can connect you in with our coffee time. All right, we are going to preach a little bit, sermon time, and then at the end, we do communion each and every week. And so if you want to prepare your elements, uh, if you have some wine or juice at home and some bread, you can tear off a piece of bread and a glass of wine or a glass of juice and go ahead and prepare that now as I have a Small introduction that you can turn up the volume and listen as you go prepare uh, wherever you have that in your, in your home. This candle represents Jesus in our life and Jesus and his presence with us. And even though we might feel and perceive that we are in a dark place, whether that be just internally in a dark place or just in our nation, in our world, seeing that we are in some crisis times, we need to remember always that Jesus is with us. Even though we might not feel or experience Christ right now, his presence, maybe we are just in a malaise of maybe thoughts and our emotions are just flatlined right now. We just need to remember always and and even if we sometimes don't even believe it, that Jesus is with us, that he is God with us. And this light represents that light in the darkness, that no matter where we're, what we're going through, no matter what we're experiencing, that Christ's light is within the darkness. So I hope that you have your communion elements now, as we are a church that desires to love like Jesus. We're a community that loves like Jesus, and we can do that better and more deeply and more meaningful when we practice these core values as a community. Daily devotion, prayer, freedom from strongholds, serving the community, sacrificial generosity, sharing and knowing our stories, and also celebration. What I know is when I develop those in my life, I develop the value and the virtue of love in my life, and I'm able to love those that maybe just are not in my immediate circle. Maybe they are outside, completely outside of my immediate five or six people. I'm able to love even the stranger very meaningfully. 
A message about giving. We're thankful for your gifts, your tithes and offerings to our community. And we need those to continue as we are still paying the lights and the rent on this building, even though we're only allowed a handful of people on Sunday morning and many people are choosing to stay at home and stay safe. And so we we still need your tithes and offerings uh, to support our ministry. And so there are some links that are available that directly link you to our online giving page. And we're trying to move people predominantly to online giving. And so if you would do that today, if you're not already signed up for online giving, we desire to have you sign up and and give a gift to us. Every gift is meaningful and is is used for the purpose of mission here uh, through Resonate. All right, today we're continuing our sermon series on James. I'm going to start in verse 19, so we're just going to skip a little bit ahead uh, to verse 19, to a very meaningful and powerful uh, sermon topic about the Word of God or, or God's Word in our life. And I believe that there's some really important concepts when it comes to uh, this, this verse or this topic of listening and hearing God's Word and really just digging in and allowing God's word to steep and, and have an impact in our life. I'm going to open up James 1, and if you would do the same, and turn to uh, verse 19 again, like I said. And this is what it says. Knowing this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and growth of wickedness, and welcome the word planted deep inside of you, the the very word that is able to save you. If you go down to verse 22 now, you must be doers of the word and not only hearers of the word who mislead themselves. Those who hear but do not do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they, look, they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion is worthless, true devotion The kind that is pure and faultless before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their difficulty and to keep the world world from contaminating us. This is the word of the Lord. So as I read that, I see several points that I want to draw out and some sub points that I think are important. It is true that what you give in life is greatly determined by how you receive. What you give in life is greatly determined by how you receive. It's very difficult, and most people struggle with receiving, yet that is in direct proportion to how we give. A lot of times we think that if we just give, 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 that is what the Word calls us to do. Yet the Word also calls us to be great receivers. So when I receive a gift, it's awkward, like my friend or my 
uh, my family or an unexpected gift, let's say. Somebody just walks up to my life and just gives me something. That's an awkward experience because most of the time I don't feel like maybe I deserve it or maybe like, oh, how expensive was that? You didn't need to spend that kind of money on me or spend any money on me. So we come up with these slogans and these discounting statements. We're saying, you know, no gifts necessary or, or I didn't deserve that. And we actually say I didn't deserve that when we receive a gift. Yet how we give is in direct proportion to uh, what and in what manner we give also is in direct proportion to how we receive. And so rejecting receiving actually is, a, is, a, is not really what God desires for us. And so giving is birthed out of this ability of how we receive. So if I go back to verse 19 in James, knowing this, my dear brothers and sisters, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to grow angry, this is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. Therefore, with humility, set aside moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome the word planted deep inside of you. And I love that language because it's the language of welcoming or the language of receiving. And so the first idea that I have out of this scripture um, in chapter one is the idea of receiving the word of God receiving God's word in our life. Now, coming from somebody that can talk a lot and coming from somebody that can get angry like a flick of a match, uh, this, is kind of, this kind of hits home. Uh, there's a lot of wisdom for me in this verse because I do talk a lot and I'm not slow to grow angry. I'm quick to grow angry and I just talk and talk and talk until the sun goes down, right? So, it says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. Well, I know that the reason why I talk a lot and quick to get angry is because I struggle with my own insecurity. The more insecurity I have, the more I dominate the conversation. The more insecurity I have with the other person. Maybe they're smarter than me. Maybe they just know more than me. Or maybe I'm afraid of what they think of me. I dominate and just fill the airspace a lot of times, not allowing a person to ask, I guess, questions back or offer feedback in my life. Feedback is, is difficult, and a lot of times our feedback is, is negative, uh, and that's our experience with feedback, a positive criticism you know, or constructive criticism. Uh, when I hear that phrase, I think and hear criticism. And so, uh, so no matter how positive you want to be about criticizing me, it's still criticism, even though it's positive. So, so I look at the insecurity that I have, and I engage in conversation, sometimes one-sided, where I speak and, and think aloud a lot. And I, I fall into that trap sometimes where I'm listening to someone and I'm just crafting my response without really even listening to them. I already think and know what they're going to say. I don't need to hear them really. You, you don't have to finish your sentences. I can just uh, respond right now um, and interrupt. And I also struggle with that, interrupting. I think we all do struggle with these things, at least some of us do, um, and sometimes. 
And maybe we struggle with it all the time. I don't know where we are at, but I, I know where I'm at with this. And I interrupt and I craft responses uh, many times before somebody is even done uh, speaking. And so there's a lot of insecurity there, not allowing somebody to speak or finish, finish thoughts. Um, we treat God the same way. We treat God in a way with our busyness, with our distractions, where we don't really want to listen to God or we don't take time out to be quiet and slow to, to speak and, and quick to, to listen. And so we respond to God in very similar ways where we're too busy to listen to God or we're too busy to sit down and, and, and have some kind of focused devotion or some kind of focused like uh, like, a, like a seed planted, as the word says, seed planted deep inside of us, to plant that seed deep inside of us with maybe a little bit of quietness or devotion time, like a, like a disconnect time where we're disconnecting ourselves from our busyness and we are connecting ourselves to, to the word. I think that is truly how we need to disconnect. Now, some people think that we just need to disconnect from everything around us. That's impossible. We never disconnect from our environment. We are always connected into our environment. Yet we can practice different tools or different rhythms or different methods in our life to disconnect from distraction or disconnect from like the hustle and the busyness of our, our lives. And so I have to run around just like everyone else with my two kids, and you have to run around doing this or that with work just like I do, and we all are like, you know, 80, 90 hours a week of just go, 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 and maybe, you know, by the end of our, you know, 20-hour day, or not 20 hours, but 16-hour day, we might catch, you know, a, a moment or, or two, but we're all busy. And, and busyness, I would say, the idea of busyness and the idea of distraction kind of marry at some point where we live in a very distracted, distracted, um, our human condition is distracted, our human being, our culture is a distracted culture and distraction then creates more busyness because we're behind or we didn't get certain things done that we were supposed to. So the valuable time then is expended. So if you think about, you know, ending your day or beginning your day or maybe just reclaiming some things during your day, I would say definitely could be a practice and could be a tool uh, to disconnect yourself from distraction and busyness and connect yourself into the quietness or the listening, uh, the listening mode in your, in your life. So being quick to listen sets us on the path, it says in the Word, sets us on the path of righteousness. And being quick to not listen sets us on the path of unrighteousness. And so... Being that listener or quick to listen, that is the life that Jesus desires. And I think that there's an important piece of wisdom here uh, with our current situation. We, we, in our current situation, with the 
ongoing cycle of information that we have, whether it be on the news or whether it be just on you know, blogs or podcasts or, or whatever, the, whatever the noise is that we're constantly, or maybe it's just conversations all throughout the day, or maybe it's just our head voice. Our current situation promotes definitely cycles of information. And so then the information changes and you have to listen to the new information. And then it changes again. You have to get the latest and the greatest information. I, I would say that that this sets us up for, for failure. It sets us up for exhaustion. It's, it sets, sets us up to, to really not be productive um, in our lives. Not to say that we don't need the information and not to say that the information is not good or, or important. It's just we need this, this time to be open listeners to the right voices. Open listeners to what I'll say the right voices are wise voices. So it's, it's kind of like, if I could relate it this way, about the coronavirus and, and the, the data and, the, and what is coming out with this virus. It's kind of like, are we listening to just news cycles and pundits out there, or are we reading science? The wisdom is in the science, um, not necessarily the spin that you're hearing in the news cycles. And so that's an, important, that's an important differentiation there, that we can listen to news cycles. I understand that, and we want to hear you know, our favorite casters out there of, of news, yet the science is where the wisdom is. And so that's important to be open listeners to the wisdom of, or the, the, the open listeners to wise voices. I'll give you another example. Um, when it comes to female leadership in the church, I've been involved in that conversation for, for literally decades now. And, and at first, I noticed I was just listening to male voices in the church, male voices in the colleges, male voices in ministry speaking into uh, this issue of female leadership in the church. My view of female leadership comes from, number one, it comes from Scripture. It comes from the Bible. And then I took those ideas from the Bible, and I then began conversations with people, mainly female people, about the issues and the, the complexity of gender in the church. And so when we learn and, and hear something or we ingest something out of Scripture, it doesn't mean that we're actually going to preach it, do it, and believe it. Uh, we might even believe the opposite. Even though the Word of God is, is very clear, we a lot of times do the opposite. And why do we do the opposite? Because of the people that we surround ourselves with co-signing our belief system or drawing us into the opposite belief of what the Word of God says. And so it's really important, the wisdom of voices around us, those that are actually involved in the issue, those that are actually involved in the conflict or the complexity of the issue, those are the voices and that is the wisdom that we need to hear from when we hear something from the Bible that is vetted and that is tested and that is played out and that is, that is 
um, broaden in these conversations with the people that are actually involved in the complexity of the issue. The same goes true for, for racism. The same goes true for any kind of conflict that we see when the Word of God speaks that word of God, just because it says it, doesn't mean that I'm actually going to play it out and live it and do it and believe it. And that needs to be brought into the community of voices and, and, and ingested like a seed that is inside of us. And that is birthed out, and our belief system is birthed out of some of these conversations from, the, from these wise voices. So Jesus says this, that my sheep will know my voice. And that, that is definitely kind of an explication of that quick to listen, that I, I need to be quick to listen. And, and so what does that entail? What are some practical things? Well, I would say that claiming the little solitudes in our life, in our, in our mode of life, we live very busy lives. All of us are working and doing and trying to do more and accomplish more and and such, and so I, I think about the little solitudes. So whether that be in the morning, getting ready in the morning, or your drive to work, or waiting time at, at a at a stoplight or stop sign. Now, you know, don't daydream too too hard in the, in the car, right? Uh, how about waiting time in coffee lines or drive-throughs that you're getting something to eat? Maybe there's a there's a time there that you can spend time listening and talking to God. Uh, walks during the day, eating alone. If you ever find yourself eating alone, maybe that is a time. At night when your head uh, hits the pillow, maybe there's a couple of moments there. Or staying up later or getting up earlier after the kids are in bed or people are settled down in the house, whether it be your roommate's finally gone or whatever, that you can have a, a few moments of, of solitude. Maybe scheduling that during your day. Although I, I know that my schedule gets threatened every day by circumstances. And so scheduling maybe 15-minute pacers and spacers in our day. Scheduling quiet time is very important. How about exercise, where we actually are engaged in silence and solitude in, in exercise? These are the practical things that we can do to receive the Word of God. All right, also practicing the Word. Not only do we receive the Word, but we practice the Word. In verse 22, you must be doers of the Word and not only hearers of the Word who mislead themselves. Those who hear but do not do the Word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget that, that what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put it into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. So it's not enough to just hear the word of God. We need to do the word of God. We need to play it out. And this comes, again, just expanding that idea that just because we read something or we hear something doesn't necessarily mean that we're actually going to play it out in our life and believe it in the doing, right? So we know that when we do something and we act out in certain ways, we actually are at least our motivation and part of our belief system, if we're not forced to do it, but part of our belief system is motivated that, that direction. And so, 
So I would say that that to the many Christians that are just sit in the pew on Sunday, sit in the chair on Sunday and leave, and our Christianity only is that hour and a half on Sunday morning, I think that that needs to change, especially in our world today, that Christians need to be known for more than just church services, that Christians need to be known more for what we give and what we're able to do in the world and the words that we speak and who we are, who we are um, helping to rise. And I think that that is so important right now that we need to engage in our culture in such a way that we're helping people to rise. And I, I believe that's what this time is about. If I could just prophetically speak, um, and not really prophetically speak because it's happening all around us and I see it and it's very, it's, it's very right there in your face and our faces right now is we need to engage in conversations that are not tearing people down and not blaming and not creating more camps and division. We need to speak unified. We need to speak unity and helping all people to rise and helping people that are oppressed and, and disenfranchised in a continual, continual cycle of like systemic oppression. We need to help, um, like when, when it comes to black people, we need to help black people to rise, especially, uh, especially as we see um, growing tension. Christians, especially right now, need to engage in those conversations. So in order to practice such a word, in order to practice this word, we need to allow the word to examine us. I see that in verse 23, that you let it examine. And that's where I capture that adage of in order to understand, we must stand under. And so we need to allow the word to examine us. And I think that our greatest sin is the sin of disregard. Uh, no one that I know is out just killing each other and hurting each other physically. That we need, That's not our sin. Many of us don't lie and we're not cheating each other and stealing from each other. But our greatest sin is the sin of disregard, where we look at the situation and we say, I'm not involved, that's not me, that's not who I am. And so I would say that uh, most human beings at least have a positive motivation of positive intent in their life, I would hope. And even if it's driven to better self, at least it's a positive intent of, of being driven to better ourselves. But yet, I look at the Word of God, and the Word of God needs to examine us in all of our motivations and intentions. So our attitudes about culture, our attitudes about people, our prejudices and our preferences and our, our imbalance of treating people fairly in life, all this needs to be examined by the Word of God. And I hope that we would allow the Word of God to sit inside of us and not perpetuate more um, separation and more disregard and more disunity, but that word of God would steep in our lives and perpetuate more unity and love and care of, of others. So James encourages us to spend this time in introspection uh, so it can restore us. The word of God can restore us. I think about 
the, the image of, in the temple, this wash basin, this bronze wash basin on a pedestal that sat um, in front of this temple entrance of, the, of, of this building that the Jews would go to to worship and sacrifice. And they would wash as they entered into this temple. That's like the washing of the word to me, that, that there's a continual washing of the word in our lives, that we live like a baptized life through the word of God and listening and hearing the word of God, that God is speaking to us in a very powerful way to help restore and cleanse and change and ultimately trans, transform us. Uh, when I look at like 2 Corinthians, this verse in um, chapter 3, verse 18, it says, and all of us have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord works within me. We become more and more like Him and reflect His glory even more. So when I when I think about that verse, I think about the transformation that we can go through as we just sit with the Word of God and allow the Word of God to wash, to wash over us. And so when we do that, we can then enter into more of a practice. We can enter into a more of a sharing. We can enter into a more of a doing. When we receive and learn to receive God's voice in our life well, we will allow that to transform us, to change us, to expose what needs to be exposed so that we can change and, and restore us. Many of us need restoration in our lives just from the hurts, the habits, and the hangups that we have experienced just in life, just life in general. Look at the last four months. In the last four or five months, I mean, we, since probably February, middle of February, uh, we need restoration just as people. I've seen people get more and more angry. Um, I was just talking to a young man out on the street just the other day, and he's been homeless since 15. He's 20 now, and he's just this young kid. You know, I mean, he's 20, so I guess he's not a kid, but you know what I mean. He's just this young man. And riding a bike out, and of course, he got into some trouble, and, and he, you know, he admitted to me he's not on drugs. He's not like, he's not out to cause trouble, it didn't seem, but he's just lost his way. And he's been homeless, living in a tent, and he was trying to get back to his tent, and he was kind of loitering around and, you know, not moving along, and, and so he maybe looked suspicious, I guess, I don't know, but anyway, some police officers stopped him and questioned him and had a bunch of questions for him, and anyway, he just, after that whole scene was over, he came to me and just started crying. Because uh, I was just standing out there on the street, and he just like rode up to me, and I'm like, "Are you okay, man?" And and he's like, "No," and he just like totally admitted he was not okay. Uh, told me that you know he would fight with his stepdad, and his mom was remarried, and so they moved away, and it's just been him since uh, since about 15 years old out on the street, just couch surfing with friends, and then now in a tent. And I guess he was, you know, that was a trespassing thing, and. And so he got in trouble for trespassing because of his tent. The whole situation just made me super sad when I left because here he is crying. He's like, I'm in this cycle of getting in trouble. I'm in this cycle of I try to do okay and then I get in trouble. He's like, I'm tired of being homeless. I'm tired of being jobless. I'm tired of going without food. 
And you know, when he just said that, he pretty much had a, a, a very clear uh, a vision of his hurt. He had a very clear articulation of why he was hurting and what was happening in his life. He was just tired. He used the word tired and over and over and over again. Now, not to equalize with that in any way, but just like he is tired and in cycles of getting in trouble, this cycle of dysfunction, I think when we get tired, when we get to exhaustion, we start, that's the human condition, we start cycles of poor decision making. We start cycles of not having clear vision and making choices that have longer term ramifications. We lose clarity and vision of our life. It's pretty common that when we are just exhausted, tired of the people around us, sick and tired of what's going on in our life and in our, in our, in our surroundings, that we then begin to make poor decisions. Uh, we need to allow the Word of God, the presence of His Spirit, and the connection to the community of people, God's people, somehow during this time to restore us, to bring healing to our lives, so that we're not playing out this unrighteous behavior, but we're able to live and do the righteousness of, of God. And that takes devotion. That takes clarity. That takes, like, that takes discipline to actually carve out moments to just reset. Um, you know, the GPS, when you're driving down the road, and if you actually have the voice on, you know, that, that British person or that, that person with the nice voice, you know, that speaks over the, with the accent, over the, uh, over the GPS, whatever setting you have, right? So, so you, you're listening to that voice, and then all of a sudden you'll take a wrong turn, and it'll say recalibrating, or the little red bar comes up on your GPS in your car, and it says recalibrating. I believe that the moments of silence and solitude are those moments where we might feel busy, Throughout the day, we might <clears throat> just be gyrating from our distractions <clears throat> or our, our worry or our anxiety. And those moments, carving out those moments, um, are those moments of recalibrating. Now, I would say that during this time with coronavirus and staying at home and kind of isolating and not being able to just do whatever we want to do with the church and the whole bit, I would say that connecting with people, that, that not only connecting with God and connecting with self and God in those silent moments, but then also <laughs> connecting with others, that connecting with others, <clears throat> that human need, excuse me, <clears throat> that human need is important, um, and we have to be creative about how to do that, uh, whether it be getting on you know, a platform that you choose to connect or just just getting on the phone and, and maybe just talking to, to a voice. Those are, the, those are the restoration times that we need to have in our life. We need restoration. We need healing. Otherwise, we get into that tired mode and cycles of anger, cycles of frustration. I see a lot of frustration right now. 
Um, whether it be, you know, the kids are at home just all the time and they've been home half the year, it seems like, uh, from school and, and, you know, no, no opening in sight uh, when it comes to maybe the school. So they're with us in the fall. And so there's just no end in sight of just having to be on as parents and being on as a, as just trying to entertain or school or, or engage and not wanting to fail them and, and not wanting to fail the people around us, I guess. And, and so, so life has just become very busy. Life has become very frustrating. Life has become very distracted. Yet in our tiredness and exhaustion, we cannot let the devil have a foothold in our life. Um, and that's going to take restoration and healing in order for that not to happen. Uh, so when it says, if those who claim devotion to God, that needs to play out in our life. That we need to have that devotion to God. Therefore, he says it in the negative. If those, in verse 26, if those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say. I think that <clears throat> the, one, of the, one of the sure sign tells of, of, of somebody that is not in devotion or not spending the time to listen is they're not controlling what they, what they say. And they have a misguided uh, viewpoint of life and they're just blurting it out um, irresponsibly. That's like a contaminated mind. And our, our life gets contaminated when we're not carving out these moments with, with God. So how do we engage and do? I think that we can share the word. Uh, we can claim the devotion to God. Uh, first, we need to do that with ourselves, and then we can help others do that. But really, it's playing out is this the ending of this verse. It says that those that have the pure and lasting religion will take care of, will take care of. And, and it gives the specific, specific example of orphans and widows. Yet, you can actually put more than that in there. Anybody that is on the margins, anybody that is like considered outside or othered in our life. These were the two, the orphans and the widows were the two most like marginalized type people in this circle with, with James. And so he is specifically calling out uh, taking care of the orphans and the widows. But pure and lasting religion in the sight of God, our Father, means that basically we have received the Word of God, allowed it to examine us and restore us and transform us and shape us and change us to the point that we will then step out of ourselves and give to those truly in need. We will give to those that are truly marginalized and oppressed. We will give to those that are truly threatened in our life. We won't just give to our five you know, friends that have everything and are doing great and that we just roll with. It's not, it's not giving to necessarily people that we, it's the nice too, but James is not calling that to our duty. Uh, he tells us to love, Jesus tells us basically to love everybody and we need to love the people that we roll with. But the call to the deed is to those that are marginalized, stepping into the margins and getting into that world 
and learning to give and to give well. Yet I do have to tell you again and tell myself this again is that our ability to give is directly proportionate and directly reflective in how we are able to receive. And if we're not willing to receive the goodness of God, then we can't necessarily give and won't necessarily give the pure and lasting religion, he says, the pure and lasting religion of the goodness of God. And so I just pray that you take that in your, in your life and just think about it and maybe alter and change and recalibrate, recalibrate your life to be on the right track and be on the right path when it comes to the righteousness of God. So let's take communion in light of that. Jesus says that uh, we are to be this way, to love in this way, to care for those in this way. And Jesus did an and was an example of that when he walked around and he ultimately made the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And he says, when you, when you take this bread and drink this juice, he says, remember, remember what I gave and remember what I did in the sacrifice. And he gave and, and, and forgave, gave forgiveness, restoration, and transformation so that, just like the word Christian means little Christ, we can give also the same to the world. Let's take communion together. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for just the wonderful word that you have of here in James, of being quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, receiving your word, allowing it to transform us and change us so that we can care for those that are marginalized and oppressed. Lord, that is the holy deed. So help us to learn and grow as Christian people, Lord, in order to do that, to be that to our culture, our world today, right now. Help us to do that today. Lord, start that process right now in our life. Lord, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. I just pray a blessing over each and every person that is listening today and watching this broadcast. I just pray for their life and their situation in life. I pray for their health. I just pray a blessing and healing over any distractions or any brokenness that they feel today. So Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.